0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com
1: for more information.
0: You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. I have a very special guest here tonight. His name is Phil Blackfield. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Andre. I appreciate you inviting me, bro.
0: Oh, yeah. Not a problem. Uh, Phil is the founder of the Manhood Project. I want to put some context on tonight's show. We're going to be talking about mentoring and the things that go into mentoring, the relationship that must be found uh, as we talk about mentoring. We have to make sure that we think about the students that we're engaging around Metro Detroit. But before I do that, I want to, if I could, just talk a little bit about my mentor. Uh, My mentors throughout my life um, would be first um, my God dad, Apostle Oscar J. Dowdell Underwood, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise International in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, Dr. Underwood is a powerful, powerhouse man of God who took the time to mentor young men. Uh, He founded a school in Fort Wayne, Indiana called Cornerstone Christian College Preparatory School. So he was my pastor, and he was also the headmaster of my school. Uh, The interesting thing about Cornerstone Prep in Fort Wayne, uh, even though it was a private school, it wasn't like your traditional private school where, you know, everybody just came from an affluent background. Uh, Many of the students who came to the private school had actually actually been put out of every traditional public school. Uh, A lot of the students—well, not I won't say a lot of the students, but I'll say some of the students— um, had been given certain uh, designations as it relates to their ability to learn. Mm. Um, there were other, other other students who were like living that street life. But right. my goddad opened up Cornerstone Prep and gave us an opportunity. And then there were other students who came from magnet schools. And so it was like the it was such a diverse audience mm. that he served. But a lot of us had one thing in common. What's that? We all... Not all, but a good portion of us lacked the relationship with our father. Mm. And so what he ended up doing was he facilitated that role. And uh, he trained us. He equipped us. Um, He also had what's called King David Military's Academy. And it was a part of our curriculum. Um, Each Wednesday, we would have to put on our fatigues. And uh, it was a lady by the name of Captain McLemore. And she was a retired captain of the Army. Uh, And if the students were much like me, very opinionated and would (laughs) articulate uh, exactly how I felt about things, uh, she would tell me to get in front leaning rest position, move, which meant get in that push up position and hold it until uh, until I say move. Brief story. Uh, I'm pigeon toed. Right. Okay. And so she told me to stand at attention. You know, that means your feet are at a 90 degree. Absolutely. And I told her, I said, well, ma'am, you know, 90 degree on my feet. You know, a 90 degree (laughs) on someone else's feet, you know. (laughs) And, uh, man, she got about as close to my nose as she possibly could with her nose Okay. and told me that if I didn't straighten myself up, that there were going to be problems. But the King David Military Academy was founded upon uh, this strong principle. You know, King David— uh, he took some men who were rejected mm. who didn't you know weren't able to discover purpose men who were fearful and afraid absolutely. and he made an exceeding great army of those same men mm-hmm. so even when they were fearful they were afraid they were without they were doubting themselves inside of them were strong warriors absolutely And so I think about that in the context of mentoring. And my goddad, Dr. Underwood, I know if I talked about it and I didn't recite this scripture, he might get me. So Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seedeth in the seed of the scornful. But in his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither. But whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, but the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen, brother. Psalms chapter 1. And I was taught that as a young man. Okay. And I'm a grown man. And now uh, it's still inside of me.
1: Train them in the way that they would go.
0: Train them up in the way that they would go. And when they are old.
1: They shall not depart from it. They will
0: not depart from it. So uh, before I have Phil weigh in, I want you to know a little bit about this, brother. Phil Black is an author, inspirational speaker, and founder of the Manhood Project, better known as TMP. Shout out, all TMP. All right, the Manhood Project is a coaching and personal development program designed to maximize the positive qualities of young men while minimizing their temptation to engage in at-risk behavior. The program focuses on character building, development of communication skills, and personal exploration. Like many young men, Phil was raised in a single-parent home by his mother. Though she did everything a child could hope for in raising him, the absence of his father left more questions than answer as he searched for guidance while becoming a man. Over the years, Phil faced countless emotional and physical challenges. On September 27th in 1997, he nearly lost his life to an act of a, act of gun violence. We can't just—that moment is powerful. Think about that. That incident changed Phil's life forever and in many ways became the driving force behind his work today. If I could insert this, my pastor always say that your disaster is not greater than your destiny.
1: Indeed. Amen.
0: And so prior to creating TMP, Phil worked with an internationally recognized education-based nonprofit called City Year LLC. Everybody's familiar with City Year and the work that they do. There are there he was able to use his background in learning and development to enhance staff to enhance staff and volunteer performance. Phil has also served as a senior program manager, learn of learning and development and a learning and development expert. Excuse me, national sales trainer and currently Phil also works with Pear, partnering in education and resilience, a Harvard Medical School and McLean Hospital affiliate. As a lead trainer, helping him to a cure, more than a de- more than a decade a crew. I'm sorry, more than a decade of experience in youth training and human development. Phil, that's a lot, brother. <laughs> you know, more than a decade in training. You yes, have, sir. and what I love about it, and I'll give you guys a, an opportunity to come in on a personal conversation. I met with Phil. What was that, man? About close to a year ago. It was about a year ago. About a year ago, mm-hmm. and I was talking to you about how. Like even myself and other people, so this is for you that are listening, how you can have a passion for something, but you need to go pursue the technical training in order to articulate the data correctly, Absolutely. in order to be able to track the progress that you're actually making, mm-hmm. and be able to, and also to be able to look at accurately what type of impact you're having. Absolutely. Because some people feel like if they show up with a passion, that automatically that, that translates to impact.
1: Absolutely. So so to that point, to your point, and from our conversation, um, that passion that you have is going to be your driving force. That's the why that everyone talks about. That's the thing that's going to keep you there. But you need more because um, I would say John Maxwell and 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership is really who helped me to see that. And the first law is the law of the lid. All right. Meaning that the individuals that you touch, um, for him, you know, in the book, he talked about organizations where an organization is only going to go as high as the knowledge of their leadership. And it's the same way when when you work with individuals. If your capacity is only here, that's as far as you can take an individual. So if you're looking to make an impact in any particular field, you have to look to be an expert in it. You have to be, you have to eat it, drink it, sleep it. It has to be your thing.
0: Oh, that's good stuff. So are you telling me that I cannot lead someone somewhere I have not been?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, but so many people. You
1: can give them directions. I mean, we have GPS where you can go online and you can give them the directions or shoot them the link for them to get there. But in terms of giving them the practical steps and even more so than that, the practical steps that are written online or in a book, it's the experience that isn't in the book that you actually give them from your pathway to, to that thing. And that's what's the most impactful about being a mentor, because you're talking about my tour, my man tour, what I've done, not what I've read, not what I've talked about and just had discussions in terms of theory. But these are the things that we've actually done.
0: So you take them from theoretical knowledge into practical knowledge. Absolutely. Into experiential knowledge. Absolutely. And so I heard a quote. want to know what you think about this. It says that a uh, a good person learns From their mistakes. Absolutely. But a wise person learns from the mistakes of others.
1: That is very true. Yeah, so
0: I've always, and this is, man, this is one of the the hearts of uh, mentoring for me. I feel like there's no kid in in Metro Detroit that should have to start from ground zero Mm When there are so many people around them that have already failed over and over and over again or have succeeded over and over again, like, why not share that knowledge?
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's funny. um, I think it was, uh, you know, I read a lot and I listen to a lot of audio books, but uh, Jerome talked about, uh, you know, just a desire to talk to people who failed because they really can teach you a, a lot. And. And it's so true that we don't get a chance to have the conversation that we need to have with people who have gone after it and may have stopped because you can gain an understanding as to what was it that that roadblock that prevented you from getting there. Right. Right. Personal story. One of the things that I share with um, the young men that I talk to is my experience in athletics. I played football um, through high school. I played uh, three years of, of uh, football at school and okay, shout it out. What position? Linebacker. Okay, linebacker. So you, you was laying. You was laying <laughs> linebacker. In that? Okay. Oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, that'll be a whole another podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was my thing. Um, but you know, when I talk to him about you know just not being able to make that next step, um, as a matter of fact, it reminds me of a quote. One of you know, one of my uh, my homeboys we we have is all of my friends play ball, but none of my friends play ball.
0: Oh, that's good. Explain that.
1: <laughs> so. We all played ball in high school. Some of us even played in college, but none of us are playing right now professionally. And it goes into the statistics of individuals who exactly get to that space, right? Right. But it comes back to you as an individual, okay, where was the failure, right? Okay. So I have those conversations. My biggest challenge was doing just enough. Okay. Doing just enough academically and not really pushing myself and putting myself in a position where I was academically ineligible, and that's what took me off the field, combined with the challenges that came from the incident that, you know, you spoke of in in um, in um the introduction. Yes. And so giving them that insight, it gives them, you know, what you talked about in terms of that experiential knowledge and that book knowledge and people just advising them and saying, hey, you know, if you don't get your grades up or if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're not going to get there. Well, I'm telling you from experience, brother. I was good on the field. I did, I was okay in the classroom only because I didn't apply myself to my capacity. If you go this exact same route, you'll likely get that same result. But that's just one example of so many conversations that needs to be had in order to help move them to the next space. And they need to be honest conversations. One of the challenges that I see in, um, in the desire for mentorship with uh, with our youth and even with, you know, peer-to-peer and older individuals where we sometimes, um, in our mind, we have to have it together. Okay. It has to be in a pretty package with a nice bow on it in order to present it. When our in reality, man, they just want to connect with you as a human. Absolutely. Tell me what your experiences were. Let me understand you so that I can take that information and apply it to me. But I, I'm only going to connect with it if you be real with me. So let me ask
0: you this. Um, You said some powerful things as you were just talking there. And I want you to take a minute um, for the listeners that are here, for those that are Facebook Live. um, There might be a young man or a young lady who uh, they may be doing just enough Mm -hmm. academically. Uh, They may be a beast on the field, on the court, volleyball. And they have athletic dreams. And there's that there's that person in their life that's trying to spark that intrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what,
1: what would you say to that person in this moment? Um, if that person. So let me let me talk about my experience first and then I, I'm going to come back to it. So for me, it was the advice that was given and in this sense, um, you know, of course, I, I went through the action. I take full responsibility for it. Um, and I will also say the people who were giving the advice, they were doing so um, from a, a, um, a place of care and love. I was always told at a young age, you got to keep a 2.0 GPA and you need a 17 ACT score. Okay. Those things are still being echoed to this day when you talk to athletes. 2.0 Seventeen ACT score. That's the bar. That's the bar. Okay. That's, you need to have that. Yeah. Just being one hundred, man. I didn't study for one. Um, not I didn't take not one pretest class. Anything. I walked in ACT, got a seventeen. Never took it again. Had I had a conversation about what college readiness is? Okay, a minimum of a twenty-one ACT score. Minimum twenty-one in that. The ACT is going to be a big factor in you being able to be eligible for scholarships and just just creating your footprint academically overall. I would have shot for more. Okay. If I knew that there were classes available, I would have took the classes. I didn't know what was available. 2.0, I could do that in my sleep. And so I didn't push myself to do any more because I didn't know any better. So to the listeners that are out here who may have had a similar message, You have to understand how all of those things impact you. A 17 ACT score is not college ready. In order for you to be academically eligible to be able to play in the NCAA, you have to have a combination of not only your GPA being, whether it's a high GPA, you can have maybe a lower score. So, for example, if um, at the time for me, what I didn't know either that 17 ACT score would have required for me to have an overall GPA of a 3.2. Absolutely. Grade point average. Yes, sir. I didn't know that. If you score high on the test, that means your GPA could be a little bit lower. But chances are, if, if you're doing well in one area, you're going to do well in the other. Yes. So I always teach my guys this is about being able to put yourself in a position where you're thriving on both. If you're doing well academically in the classroom, you're in a much stronger position to do well um, on that test, and so um so just kind of bringing it back and 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 really just helping a listener to not settle for the bare minimum that would be the biggest message look at where you want to be, identify what you can what you can actually achieve based on where you are because there may be some seniors listening to this maybe some sophomores, maybe some juniors. You need to know where you are academically so that you can know what your potential is moving forward to get to the space of what you want to do.
0: Good. That that takes me to one of the uh, quotes that I live by. It says, you cannot grow from where you are not. Indeed. And I think so many times we might posture or position ourselves where we think we are mm-hmm. and not deal with the reality of where we actually are. That's right. And you might be doing all of these efforts in this direction, but there has been no real growth because you're not honest about where you currently are.
1: And they're not looking. And they're not and looking. And that's, that's the challenge. You know, you have to take the step of actually going and finding out and having a conversation with my counselor. What is my TPA? You know, pulling my transcripts and actually monitoring those things on a continuous basis. You should be able someone to, uh, if they're students student, I mean, for the students that are listening right now, someone should be able to walk up to you. And at any point in time, and ask you what your grade point average is, and you should know it.
0: Listen, I'm a grade whisperer because, you know, I work in the schools. I've been working in schools. I am a grade whisperer. I'm going to tell my secrets uh, at this point. I'll charge you, send you the invoice <laughs> later. So if I ask a kid, I say, hey, what's going on? How, how are your grades? When they hit me with the, uh, I automatically put a C. Okay, that's a C right there. Mm-hmm. And then when they hit me with, uh, it's straight. Okay, that means I got an A probably in in gym class. Mm-hmm. I got a B plus probably in like science or, or or social studies. My grade in math is like I'm barely making it mm-hmm. or it's the inverse. But I'm looking at probably like 2.0. And if they say – if they laugh about it, then I know, okay, I got a couple of Fs. Right. Uh, I'm, I haven't been to study hall um, or I'm playing around. I'm skipping class. So for those of you, when you ask your child and with all of this technology, parents mm-hmm. – I know you are like, uh, oh man, I'm not getting on that website, or let me tell you, I know if you're listening to me, you would have access to some device absolutely what my what my wife and I do is every single Friday, the school sends us an update based upon the software they use mm-hmm. they let us know where our where our babies are scoring at uh where they are some areas where they may need to grow, and that's what we call it so instead of you having like a deficit model like Okay, this is your weak area. No, this is your area of growth. Absolutely. And this is your strength. The way you frame it, it does matter. It does. Like, okay, say, okay so you lift weights, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if I get under there, I might be able to hit 225 a couple times, you know, but I'm not in there like that. Mm-hmm. If I got under the weight bench and I'm getting ready to lift something I've never lifted before mm-hmm. and you tell me, oh, man, you, you're probably weak, my muscles automatically get that message. Mm-hmm. My mind automatically gets that message. Yeah. But- uh, I used to lift with the football players, right? So okay. I was I was a track guy, okay. But I used to lift with the football players in like my off season and stuff like that, because I would gain, I would build more lean muscle, but I would be stronger because you know what they putting on the rack right. might be totally different. And so they would say they we would be on the decline or incline or whatever, and they say get it up, Ebron, come on, get it up, mm-hmm. and they would be rallying behind me and. Here's a message to those of you, and I'll, I'll be vulnerable in this moment. So one day they were like, oh, Ebron, we're not going to lift in the morning. You got to give your muscles time to – I'm like, oh, man, please. I'm still getting – you know, I'm getting up. <laughs> <Right>. I'm going. <laughs> so I go, and I'm on decline, and uh, I put something on the rack. and But I made sure that I didn't put the clamps on okay, just in case I had to drop the weight. Right. Man, I get that on my chest. And with everything in me, I'm trying to get it – you know, get this off my chest. Mm-hmm. But I'm lifting alone. Okay. So the weight that I'm trying, get the analogy, the weight that I'm trying to lift, that if I had the support, I probably could have got it up. Probably could have got it up. Yeah, because the confidence that I would have had with that, just that guiding hand of saying that if I lift it up, I won't injure myself attempting to succeed. Absolutely. Because that guiding hand is there. It was like, so, you know, at that time I was single. Baby, if you was in there, I would have done the same thing. Shalisa, I love you. But at that time I was single. Mm -hmm. And- the gym was, it was full of the, like, uh, I think it might have been uh, the softball girls or whoever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I got to get this weight up because I cannot drop this weight. This mm-hmm. is because it's going to be loud. Yes. And sometimes failure is really loud. Yes, it is. So, man, I, I say, I got to get it off my chest. So when I turn one way, clank, 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 you hear all of these weights hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And I realize that now my failure has made me off balance and I'm trying to balance the weight on this side. Right. In a way, only to realize for me to get up, I have to drop that, too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And so I dropped that weight, but guess what I never dropped, though?
1: The bar. I never dropped the bar. Never dropped the bar. Bro, it's it's so much in what you just said. I mean, um, you can look at it from a standpoint of how you you talk about the, the, the analogy of having someone, a spotter there, to be able to help you, who would have, even if it was just a nudge, whether it was on the bar or to push your elbows up, you'd have been able to get that weight up. Yes, sir. But not only just to support the nonverbal, that verbal support is what really what also puts you because it gets the adrenaline going. And those verbal messages that we send to each other on a consistent basis can either, like you said to your point earlier, can can hurt you or they can they can help you. And so we have to be conscious of, you know, how am I? really getting my my, my my child or or the person I'm speaking to how where what am I speaking into that individual, right? But something else I want to go back to in in terms of um moving forward. It's knowing where you are. That message you said there, right? Yes sir. The first time you're under that bar, you have to find out where am I where with am my I? strength. Yes sir. If you don't know where you are then yeah, you might go in there and try and lift three fifteen if and you've never lifted weights before, right? I could probably get it. I probably could. No, <laughs> you could no, get no, it up. No. Right? You get it. <laughs> no. But but my point in that is the same thing for our 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 youth. You have to know where you are in order to be able to set another bar, another standard for you to be able to reach. If you don't know where you are on a consistent basis, you you probably don't know where you're going to be going. Absolutely.
0: You know, one of the things about the Manhood Project that I in, in looking at and researching it and, and being around it, hey, man, you guys have these principles that you guys talk about. Indeed. And so what is TMP? Break that down for me, the Manhood Project. Break it down.
1: Manhood Project is, I mean, everything that you described, brother, um, the short of it is it is a vehicle that allows individuals like you and I to be able to pour into the lives of young men and in doing so helping them to really define who they are. Uh, one of the challenges that I've, I've received in the past, probably early on when I first started the program, was the name The Manhood Project in itself. That's strong. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> but um, the uh, one one person took it in as, as such as we were looking to define or come in with these kind of hard line uh, definitions of what manhood is. And that's the opposite of what we do. What we do, we help people to identify what does manhood mean to them and mm-hmm. partner with them to be able to align their personal values to meet that definition on a consistent basis?
0: So it sounds like you help them grow from where they are,
1: help them grow from where they are.
0: And so this is a message to teachers, to administrators, to um, to social workers, to counselors, to coaches. Uh, when you are doing the work of uh, really human development, mm-hmm. Um you have to make sure you're helping people grow, not based upon your definition, but based upon their definition and help them actualize their potential. Absolutely. What do you think about this? It's a, it's a thought that in this, um, in some ways, uh, from the Christian realm, uh, which I'm clearly a Christian and I know that you're a Christian as well. Absolutely. And so they say prophetically when somebody speaks positive words to you, It's not that they're speaking something new into your spirit, Mm -hmm. but that that word goes in and it uncovers or it reveals the inherent power of God's plan already in your life. Absolutely. And so when we talk about speaking life or framing it in such a way that helps people discover their definition Mm -hmm. or discover their why or grow from where they are, like that word of affirmation is not an external piece it's a word that goes to the depth of who they are absolutely. and pulls out the truth
1: absolutely. of who they are absolutely and so to that point um Andre one of the things that I say that's very needed to do that and do it effectively is some type of intimate relationship with that individual explain because so what i mean when i say that we as you know we we talked you know before the uh, the, the podcast started um about the different realms that we Um, we work in, we operate in advisors, counselors, coaches, mentors, right? Absolutely. And so I know we're going to get into that a little bit later on, but when we're advising, we're just talking, we are speaking life. You can speak general positive words into an individual that will get rooted down into that person and they may take it and may go. But to get to that prophetic word where you are actually speaking and pulling to that person's existence there is, to some level, some knowledge of who that individual is and what their capabilities are. Mm-hmm. And so developing a relationship with that person and gaining more knowledge of, of basically where they see themselves is what helps you to give them a stronger vision for where they see themselves going.
0: So are you saying there can be a word behind the word?
1: There's a word behind the word.
0: Yeah, so... I can give you a generic word. Go ahead, uh, Brother Black. Release some words out there, some positive words to the audience. Go ahead. Listen,
1: I know without meeting anybody that is listening to this podcast that you want something because if you didn't, you would not be listening to this podcast. You're looking for something new. You're looking for um, an opportunity to gain some insight that's going to, in some way, shape, or form, impact you so that you can become better and the thing that God has placed into your spirit. I know that without a doubt. Um, There are a lot of things that you could be doing, but you are investing your time into taking the next step, whatever that may be. And in doing so, you are showing yourself to be a good steward. And I know that about you without even meeting you.
0: Awesome. So if you listening to that word, that was a word that was more of a generic, positive message to you that you extract from it what it is that you need. Yes. And so there can be a word. I do it all the time. I'll Mm -hmm. be honest. When I'm at church, if someone is speaking that word, it automatically hits my spirit. Mm -hmm.
1: What's for me? Yes.
0: And so there's a word behind the word.
1: There's a word behind the word.
0: And so what I want to get into um, and what I thought was interesting because there's this huge thing about, like, defining masculinity. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this huge thing. When I heard the Manhood Project Oh man, I felt I could I connected with the strength of that because for me, what it said to me is that becoming a man is a process. Absolutely, it's a project. Absolutely. It's built brick by brick. Uh, you have to put in the mortar. Mm-hmm. You have to wait till it settles. You sometimes you have to redo it. That's right. Sometimes you have to go back. You you sure up the foundation, and then each person. Because you know what? What I found about building a home or a house mm-hmm. is that it's built to the specs of the weight. The foundation is built to the specs of the weight that that particular house would bear. Okay. And so foundations, a lot of times, are different but built of the same stuff. Absolutely. And so I want to talk about the five virtues of men that the Manhood Project talks about.
1: Indeed. Um, so the five virtues, uh, love, respect, courage, provision, and protection— um, these, they're, they're near and dear to me, and uh, the reason for these five, uh, they're essentially five principles that I've I taken from different individuals in my life and what they were able to pour into me. When we talk about love, it's learning to love yourself, because if you love yourself, then it makes it easier for you to love other people. Hmm. When we talk about respect, when you give respect, you're more likely to receive it in return. Courage. That's about learning to be yourself no matter who is watching. That takes courage. Provision, one of the cornerstone principles of a man is to be in a position to be able to provide for himself and for his family. Absolutely. And the last one, protection is about protecting all that has been given to you and protecting those who cannot defend themselves. Mm. These, I've seen this in practice throughout my life. There are different, you know, individuals in my life that embody these principles. And I was able to take their essence and really narrow it down to this, the, this scope of five for me. And so even in, in with, with presenting those five virtues in a program, we teach the young men, this is a benchmark. Our goal is for you to be able to come up with your own set of values. What is your What is at your core? What are the things that you that are non-negotiable for you that you stand by? Because without that, then you put yourself in a position that where you will waver according to anything that comes your way.
0: That's true. And what I love about your five, though, is I'm always thinking about uh, what makes us unique and different as human beings, what causes us to be able to connect. And immediately I connected. I said, well, if I had these five, then like anything that I set, to do in my life I ha- I can put a grasp on it like, I got a hand on it You know Of course I'm talking about Your fingers Your five hands You mm-hmm. know The fact that you can Reach out and grab that No matter what I go to grab Whether it's a relationship mm-hmm. Whether it is a career Whether it is Moving to a new city Or a new state like, The first five things I need to consider is Now wait a minute How does this measure up With the love that I have for me Indeed Because every opportunity That comes to you Is not necessarily The opportunity for you if it causes you to compromise who you are as a person in order to obtain something, that's not for you. That's right. And so like how does that measure up with me loving me? Yes. Not with someone else needing me, but how with does it me, me. Loving me. Yeah. And then like the respect. I know I know a lot of people who and this is not it's gonna sound real old folkish, but who will laugh at things when it's not funny mm. and who will scratch things that don't itch. That's right. Because they are looking to gain the respect of someone that they might want to do business with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are uh, not just, I'm not just talking about code switching, but they're doing things that's really out of the bounds of who they are mm-hmm. in order to secure something, right. which I know some people, man, who have lived so long in that vein that they are insanely successful, but they have lost themselves. Absolutely. And my goddad used to tell me this. He said, Andre, you only joke with people who know that you're joking. That's right. Because if you joke too much, then people will take you
1: as As a a joke. joke. As a joke. Yeah. It's powerful, brother. And uh,
0: provision. Now, this is strong because I know uh, they used to tell me growing up, my uncles, they say, hook or crook. (laughs) Right. You know? (laughs) They did. They used to say, hook or crook. (laughs) I'm going to provide for my family. Mm -hmm. And I saw men... Who were in my family, not directly in my household, but mm-hmm. they got up every day That's right. and they went to work. I, always, My family, I tell you, and because there are many families that are like mine, uh, my family were composed of either college educated, uh, went to college, or they went to the service, mm-hmm. uh, or they didn't file taxes. Okay. All right? Right. Which gotcha. meant <laughs> everybody was producing <laughs> on some level. Okay? All right? And so that was my family. And... Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many, so many bedrocks of examples of manhood, mm-hmm. um, and I learned a lot from uh, those who did wrong, and I learned a lot from those who who did right. right. And one of the things that they always sent home was that a man will truly have respect for the women in his environment. He won't cuss around them. He will be mannerable. He will be a gentleman. And let me tell you, my uncles were well within their into their 60s and some 70s. But my great grandmother, Grandma Rock, they let me tell you, she if she raised her voice at all, they were at her beck and call to meet that provision or to meet that need. Absolutely. That's what it Let me tell you the real reason why people didn't want you running on their grass. OK, <laughs> that was the main reason why they took the time and they took pride in what had been provided and it didn't come easy and. Things that don't come easy, you tend to appreciate more.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, I just want to add, just add into that, man, because you it's so powerful. And one of the things in, in, in giving that virtue to our young men is helping them to, to recognize, you know, not in a sense of I know there's a debate about, you know, toxic mas- masculinity and, um, you know, gender roles and, you know, where you know as a society we're kind of you know throwing off a lot of that. And in some in a lot of ways, you know some of it definitely needs to be addressed and, and and taken away. But that core sense of I am going to take care of mine. Absolutely. That is a bedrock of being a man. Yes, sir. And 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 whatever that looks like, however you define that but it is doing what has to be done. It could be whether, you know, it's an at-home business or or whatever you do, but just the mentality, you know, that we not do. I know I sound old-focused, like you say, to say this, but it was I don't feel comfortable in myself to not, for me, I don't feel comfortable not being in the position um, to where I am doing my all to make sure that what's been given to me, it's taken care of.
0: Yeah, because I, I'm in full agreement. So at my church, I was taught we have the men of impact at my church. Mm-hmm. And part of the the bedrock of that is that a man is the priest, provider, and protector of his home. That's right. And those things are essential because um, a lot of times things happen within the household mm-hmm. because there's not someone— Overseeing and providing it. Absolutely. So mom might be working two, three jobs. I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. You know, and doing all of uh what they could do to try to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And there might have been some experiences that occurred because there was no adult supervision. Absolutely. Or the kids were left to their own vices because the mom was trying to provide a better household for their family. I feel just to speak into Facebook and to yeah. podcast world that for the mother who was trying her best to provide for her children, and maybe there were some unfortunate circumstances that were occurred during the process, I want you to release that burden and understand that you were doing your best and it was not your fault. Damn. Just let that sink in for a moment. Um, we all have uh, our lot in life. We all have uh, the testimony that we're going to garner through life uh, either way. And if you did your best to protect, to provide, to keep your children, what you have to do now is if there has been a fracture of relationship or a trespass, you have to be in position to help heal that hurt. And so instead of assuming the guilt, assume the position of love and let love do the healing. It may take time. it uh, It may take a lifetime. Let me be honest with you. But be in a position to love not in a position to shield or to try to cover up. So, and I also want to say for those of you who might, I'm not a big uh, fan of um, parents working two and three and four jobs. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Only because what I realized, and I was that person. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, let me tell you, I, I had to go out and get it. I was right. ready. You know, young young dad, want to give my kids the best, and not understanding that life is a process, and as long as you continue to be faithful to that process, it will get better.
1: Absolutely. And Absolutely.
0: so um, yeah. it, took, it took my wife and it took my pastor to, to let me know. Uh, I was work, working two and three jobs, came home one day. My mm-hmm. wife said, uh, baby, if I wanted to sit home alone, I would not have gotten married. Amen. So, men, I, I adjusted so, immediately. <laughs> I feel you. So,
1: so let me let me, let me clarify um, something. Um, so in, in, in speaking to that, that point, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely— I don't mean to um to sound so rigid and say <clears throat> um because this is it's all about our motto, right? Yes sir. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. All right.
0: Hold on, say that again. Let let speak that out into the world. You don't have to be what?
1: You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. Okay. Right? You can't be present if you're working 24 hours a day. Can't do that. And so and clarifying my point in that and, and really just, you know, not just being 100 and, you know, not being PC about it, It's really helping our young man to understand it's not OK for you to just lay on mama couch. Absolutely. It's not OK for you to lay on friend's couch and do nothing. You have to build up your skill set and, and begin to work to understand what it means to provide for yourself because there's going to come a time when you will. And one of the points that I make to them all all the time, and um, especially my older guys that are in, you know, seniors, um, 11th grade, once you turn 18, society forgets. Society, as soon as you walk across the stage of graduation, they forget about the trauma that you've been through. They forget about all of the challenges that you had. And all of a sudden, they expect you to know. And so if you're not preparing yourself for that moment, when you walk across that stage, that reality is going to hit you. And so you have to gain that understanding that it's not okay for me to just sit around and just wait for it because that wait is going to be much shorter than what you think.
0: Absolutely. Um, when it comes to the, the five virtues uh, and those principles to live by, uh, I was reading over, I'm really big on affirmations and, you know, things like that. So I was reading over uh, the Creed of Mint. So if you could go ahead and uh, speak it out, uh, brother Black, the Creed of Men. Listen, get your young men before he says this. Get your <laughs> young men present. Get them around. They need to hear this. This powerful, powerful message. And it's a it's called the Creed of Men. Yeah. Get ready for it, brother Black. Why don't you spit it for them?
1: Uh, so yes, this is um. So this is one of our affirmations that we have and in, in our closing pre- pledge, and it states that um, we are courageous enough. To be ourselves and not Hold on, that's not the beginning of my my pledge So We love according to the commandment We know that respect must start from within Given and earned before it can be received We are courageous enough to be ourselves And not follow the negative influences of others We vow to provide for our household And help others who are in need we protect all that is entrusted into our care and those who cannot defend themselves in times of fear and doubt. We are reminded and we remind ourselves you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. And so this, this affirmation I wrote. Um, so there is a lot uh, that you unpacked. And I think, you know, maybe that, that first line might've hit you in that. I mm-hmm. mean, and that we love according to the commandment.
0: We love according to the commandment.
1: And so, <laughs> not many people pick up on that. And so, we explain it to our young men. I mean, while we are um, we are not a faith based organization, there are a lot of things that are that were designed on Christian principles. And that piece about loving according to the commandment is the commandment within itself, which is to love as I have loved you. Okay. The commandment of Christ is that he loved us perfectly and that he gave himself for us. for us. When we as individuals, when we love in that way, when we put others in front of us, right, we are loving perfectly. And so that's what we teach our young men, you know, learning how to, of course, love yourself. But when you get into that position of understanding what that commandment really means is to put others in front of you and to give of yourself. That's when you're really loving.
0: That's good. Uh, What I I think, and I would, in in that same vein, I think when people are taught how to love, I think it brings a a greater fulfillment to their life. Indeed. Uh, Because everybody, I don't care if you, let me tell you, I don't care if you work 36 hours a day, which that doesn't even exist. You want to love and be loved. That's right. And so the commandment says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, thy strength, and to love your neighbor as, as yourself. yourself. That's right. And so one thing about love, uh, especially as it as it is defined biblically, it says that perfect love will drive away all fear. Indeed. And so when I hear and this, and now when it comes to mental health, please hear the spirit in what I'm saying, um, is that some of our fears uh, were opened. And gates were opened in the absence of love. And this is just Ebron 101. I don't have any empirical data to, to demonstrate or prove this. I could pull probably all some examples. But if you think about the things that you fear the most, you probably experience them in the absence of love. Damn. Because fear and love cannot coexist. Damn. Love, perfect love, drives out all fear. So when I hear you teaching our young men to love according to the commandment. Mm -hmm. like It's impossible for me to love someone else as I love myself if I haven't yet first discovered how to to love love myself. myself.
1: There you go. There you go.
0: That is powerful. There you go. And so Phil Black, I'm going to call you Dr. Phil Black, (laughs) you know. Dr. Phil Black uh, is teaching our young men first how to love themselves. Now, Dr. Black, my question to you, sir, is, what advice do you have for parents who may have some young men that have already made these mistakes? Um, mm-hmm. They've got caught up in some things. Um, they've already kind of burnt some bridges. Mm-hmm. And and now they're here and it's time for a turnaround. And the way that I set this up is uh, you have this quote that's on your website uh, by Bishop T.D. Jakes. And it says, exposure
1: Absolutely. is the first, step the first step
0: to a turnaround.
1: It's, so... In putting that into context exposure um it is the first step from a standpoint of uh, being able to put a person in a position to see what change looks like okay right? that is that is the first practical physical step. There's a step before that though um, and it goes into the advice that I have for parents and even the younger listeners who may need this. The first step is actually making a decision within and committing to a change.
0: Mm. Can, can I ask you a question right there?
1: Yes. So, so many people struggle with that. Mm-hmm.
0: And we, I've seen, and I've actually done it myself. I stopped using this language. Mm. When I used to dab people out here and, you know, it might be a tough day, right. I might say, yeah, man, you know, the struggle is real. Mm-hmm. But the struggle is only in my mind. in your mind. And so the decision to no longer struggle is encased in that first point and you
1: said it is to do what? To make. Make the decision. Make a decision. Make a decision. And and, and um, what I also say to that is some of those struggles may be real. You may be realizing, I mean, you're dealing, you're hitting a brick wall. You may feel them or they may feel real, at least mentally. But what I'll say is that you have to, even in that, decide and commit to a change. You, and, and some people call it hitting rock bottom. I don't necessarily know if you need to do that. But you do need to recognize that there's a change that is needed and make the commitment to making that change. That's the very first step. As a support system, that first physical step is to expose them to something more. Okay. Whether that's a mentor or it's an opportunity, it's taking them to a more positive space, something that aligns with that person's desire to do more, whatever that may be.
0: Aligns with their desire.
1: Their do, desire
0: aligns with not not with your desire for them to do more. Their desire, but aligns with their desire. How, so I know I know I'm I know you get in the flow, but I have a question about what oh, you yeah, say. Absolutely. So if I'm having challenges with communication, mm-hmm. how do I discover what they desire?
1: You have to ask.
0: Simple as asking.
1: You have to ask. So one co- of the, one of the challenges that um, we often have is we come into the space with this idea we know. And we might have an idea, right? You know your child, you know you know your friend, your your spouse, whatever it might be. You have an idea. It's a little different, though, than actually hearing it from that person because what's happening on, on both sides, for that person, they're actually getting an opportunity to express what's going on within them in their own words, on their own terms. What then happens on the end for me, there might be something in there That may I may have been right about. But guess what? It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong about what you believe the issue was, because it's about that person. You have to let go of that idea that I know what's going on and look to just simply give a lot of a lot of advice. That acceptance and that piece of being able to get to a space of moving forward has to begin with allowing that um, that individual the space to be able to share what it is that they themselves see as the next step and allowing them to make that commitment and you just supporting them along the way.
0: So are you telling me that after someone decides and commits and then we discover or give them the, the space to express because we've exposed them, we've exposed them and then given them the chance to express Hey, then now we're cooking with some gas.
1: Now we're cooking with something.
0: Because now they're invested.
1: Now they're invested.
0: They're invested into whatever that next step is that they believe.
1: That they believe.
0: Will help get them to where they desire to go. Absolutely. And so I just want to say, and let's be honest for a minute, Most a lot of our conversations, especially with people that we know, mm-hmm. we already believe we know what the response is going to be. Uh, we already have prepared either our defense or our next statement Based upon a prior experience. Oh, wow. This is it's been going so great. For those of you that are tuning in, we only have five minutes left in the show (laughs) and we haven't even got to the to the real meat of it. We I mean, we've been talking about a lot of great stuff. Uh, this I feel like we at BW three at B Dubs just kicking it, you know. Yeah, I don't hey. think
1: missing wings. So listen, brother.
0: I wanna I wanna make sure. Hey, <laughs> listen, if you ever want to sponsor some wings for for Brother Black and I, we will receive them absolutely. Make sure. So yeah, who, comment, make a comment, take us to B Dubs. <laughs> but before we go, I think it's important that I want to give you an opportunity to talk about like who has supported the development of the Manhood Project and who's been backing you and showing up because. Uh the old proverb says that if you want to go fast go alone. Mm. Uh but if you want to go far you need to go together.
1: Need to go together.
0: So who who has been who's been helping out?
1: Brother Ebron, I I tell you there are so many um people, you know, just my network, you know, I, I mean on 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 I have a network of friends who have encouraged me from the very beginning in doing this thing. I have a gentleman um, his name is Denara Williamson. He was there with me when I put pen to paper and designing logo, and he has been working with me from the very beginning, from the start of go. Awesome. Um, friends that have helped financially from the very start when they were that was working out of pocket, <laughs> and the whole budget was whatever I could actually put into it, and 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 all of those things. I mean, taking it from nothing to now. Um, having organizations like my fraternity, Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, having uh, United Way, Quicken Loans, um a, just a number of individuals. It's, it's kind of hard off the top of my head to say, but what I will say is that um I so appreciate just everything, even in what you've done over the years in just sending out – um encouraging words and reaching out and just wanting to dialogue. All of those things have been a help in expanding it because it allows me to see what's needed and, and, and really hear um, how it's impacting individuals that I don't even know.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, I definitely appreciate Brother Black because you have been, uh, man, an example um, of what it takes to take an idea from idea to implementation. Uh, You know, and I've been watching afar and, you know, watching the awesome things that you are doing. And the main thing that that resonates for me uh, is I see young men smiling. Hmm. I see young men growing. I read a quote that you had up the other day. You were having a conversation with a young man and he gave you a hug. And at the end of it, he told you, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And so many times one of the most powerful things that a mentor can do is to listen. Just listen. And we'll be able to, our young people will be able to work out so much in their life if they had a safe place to just
1: talk. Yes, absolutely. They are
0: carrying so much. Yes. But if they find the proper mentor who can lead, guide, and direct them, not just based on theoretical knowledge, not just based on uh, uh, practical knowledge, not just not even just based on experiential knowledge, but realizing that this young person, you have to equip them to outrun you. That's
1: right. And so, just connecting with them
0: as a human. Connecting with them as a human. And, and,
1: you know, before we go, if I could say real fast, I would be just remiss if I didn't mention the fact that my, my, my cousin, um, Angela Robinson, my uncles, um, uh, Uncle Bill, Uncle Rodney, um, uh, Uncle Jerry, my aunt, Deb, Janice, you know, my whole family, they, they are behind the scenes. And even, um, and they, you know, in everything that I've done, they have always been that voice for me. That staying force. That staying force for me. And and all of what you see in the Manhood Project is really a collection of what I've learned from the men in my family that have come before me. Awesome.
0: Brother Black, tell them where they can find
1: you at. You can find me on uh, or at um, TMPmentoring.com. Uh, we're also um, on Facebook, the Manhood Project. Uh, our uh, Instagram page, the manhood project as well. And I also have a Twitter account, Phil black 33, and you can follow us on any of those. um,
0: And his LinkedIn page as
1: well. And LinkedIn page as well. Phil black.
0: All right. So listen, this is Andre Ebron, the host of the drawing board, where it's a powerful thought provoking discussion about family, relationship, ministry, community, and career. I've had the honor of interviewing Founder of the Manhood Project, Phil Black. You can find Andre Ebron at Andre Ebron on Facebook, Andre underscore Ebron on Instagram. And I want to leave you with this your future is not behind you, your future is not before you, it is within you. I am Andre Ebron, and it's okay for you to reapproach the drawing board.